You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online and in iTunes because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thanks so much for tuning into today's show. On today's show, we are going to be talking about how you can manage these inverted option positions. And honestly, it's something that everyone assumes is very difficult, but hopefully after today's show will become a lot easier. It does take a little bit of just uh, cognitive thought here initially just to understand the concepts behind them, but I think uh, managing inverted positions is something that People get just really scared about, honestly, and and just don't have a, a solid understanding of. And so hopefully I want to kind of uh, walk through an example here of how we would manage, say, an iron butterfly, which is also very similar to how we would manage a straddle that's goes inverted and why we would do uh, you know, the adjustment types that we would do, how we'd factor in credits and risk and all that stuff like that. Uh, so hopefully it'll help out for you guys. If you guys want to get a copy of this uh, show notes or transcript, obviously you can head over to optionalpha.com slash show 114. So everything's there. And then we'll have some links over to some videos on um, adjusted and inverted positions that we've done before in the past, how they've turned out, some that are good, some that are bad, et cetera. You can see all the stuff in there, some live trading videos I know we have inside of optionalpha.com on inverted positions as well. So there's a slew of resources available at your fingertips and at your disposal. So again, like I said, today in today's show, I want to go through managing an inverted position. So we are going to effectively start with a short straddle or an iron butterfly position today. As a reference in back in show number 108, if you went back to show number 108, we talked about how you could adjust and manage a strangle position. And we talked about just our adjustment technique of rolling up or rolling down the untested or unchallenged side of the market and just as a way to collect more premium, increase our strike width, et cetera, et cetera. And we're going to kind of echo some of those things here today, but it's all going to be focused on starting with a short straddle or a short iron butterfly. So just as a recap, if you don't know what a short straddle is, short straddle is one of the building blocks to an iron butterfly. Uh, The short straddle is basically selling an at-the-money option on both the put and the call side. So in our case today, we are going to assume that a stock is trading at $20 or an ETF is trading at $20. We're going to sell the $20 call and the $20 uh, strike put. So both options are basically at the money or very close to at the money. Now that's effectively a straddle if we just sold those options independently of anything else. If we wanted to convert this thing into an iron butterfly, then what we would need to do is buy options further out on each end. So in our case today, if the stock is trading at $20, we would buy options, say, out at $25 on the call side and down on the put side at $15. Okay, so we're buying options $5 out on either end, and that gives us a risk-defined iron butterfly. You can see that iron butterflies and short straddles are effectively the same thing. They're cousins, they're twins, you know, they're they're related, um, but they're just a little bit different just based on how much money you outlay to buy those long wings. Back in show number 113, where we talked about the iron butterfly we did in XLF, uh, we talked about why we got into that because the wings were so cheap. Those long options, in this case, the ones we're talking about at say 25 or 15, 
if they're really, really cheap, it sometimes makes sense to add them onto the trade. And we'll actually talk about another iron butterfly trade that we're getting into in DIA today as well. So hopefully that'll help kind of reinforce this concept in the closing bell segment. So again, we're going to start with this iron butterfly uh, straddle kind of hybrid, whatever you want to call it, where we basically have options short at the $20 strike. Now for the sake of this argument, and again, you can follow along at home if you want to, or if you can write it down or kind of pause this and come back if you want to, or get the show notes. But we're going to assume that we get into this initial trade for a $2 overall credit. So we did the whole iron butterfly position for a $2 credit. Now, if we have a $2 credit after all the buying and selling that's required, so selling the short strikes, buying the wings, that means that our break-even point on this thing is at 18 to 22. So that's really the range that we want this stock to go into. And again, you take this credit that you have, this overall credit from selling the Iron Butterfly, and you add and subtract it from your short strike of 20, and that gives you your kind of range that you want, your profit range. So we take 20 and add to and subtract to, and we get this 18 to $22 range that we effectively want the stock to trade in at expiration. Now, obviously, the best case scenario would be for the stock to pin at 20. We know that never really happens in real life or very rarely happens, but that'd be the best case scenario. And at that moment in time, we would make the most amount of money possible, which is our $2 credit, right? So if the stock ended at $20 at expiration, we'd generate the full $2 credit. Everything would expire effectively worthless, and uh, we'd collect our entire premium. But at this point now, let's assume, oh, actually, let, let me take one step back. Now that we know that our strike width, our widest width on this thing on either side is $5, we want to talk about our risk in this position. So our risk on this position is that the stock moves wildly in one direction or another, right? So huge move down or huge move up. That's when we can potentially lose money on this type of trade. So the width of each side is $5. And if we subtract out the $2 credit, that really means that we have about $3 of total risk in this position. And it could happen on either side, right? So if the market moves down to, let's say, below 15, then we could potentially lose $3 on each of our you know, contracts. If the market moves up above 25, we could potentially lose $3. It could happen on either side, right? And so that's what you want to do is you want to you want to kind of think about it on either side of uh, losing $3. Now, in this case, the Iron Butterfly that we built is totally balanced and neutral, which is how we do most of our trading here at Option Alpha is we do neutral, balanced Iron Butterflies, meaning the calls and the puts are effectively the same distance apart, um, and the long options are the same distance apart. The spreads are the same, so it looks balanced. It's not off-kilter or, or, or off-balance uh, uh, from one side versus the other. So now that we know what our risk is, and we're basically risking $3 to potentially make $2, now let's assume that the stock actually starts moving against us. Now, this is, I think, where people start to freak out because they don't know what exactly to do. Their stock's moving against you, but one of your contracts is going to be in the money already. So what do you do? Do you just, in most cases, people just sit there and it's kind of like deer in headlights. They don't know what to do. But what you have to do is you have to use the same techniques that we talked about in show number 108, which is to roll up or roll down, wherever direction the market's going, your unchallenged or untested side. So if the market rallies up against your position, meaning the stock goes from 20 up to say 23, you want to roll up your puts. Your 20 puts, you want to roll higher. 
If the stock goes from 20 to say 13 and starts falling, you want to roll down your call options. Again, you can go back to show number 108 as just a refresher and kind of a more in-depth walkthrough on how we do that and why we do that. But that's the technique. You want to basically move your unchallenged or untested side, whatever side the market is moving away from, you want to move that side closer. So for the sake of argument today, let's assume that the stock moves up to $23 in this case. So if the stock moves up to $23 now, it's now literally a dollar beyond our break-even point. So at this point, it might be worth making an adjustment. Now we can talk all day and night about adjustment triggers and when to do it and when not to do it. As a general rule of thumb, I generally don't like to make adjustments until we get into the last, say, two and a half to three weeks of expiration. Anything before that, and it might be just market noise, you got to kind of let the market numbers and, and probabilities play themselves out. So let's assume we're getting closer to expiration. And now we start thinking about potentially making an adjustment because we're running out of time is basically what it comes down to. There's no set standard. There's nothing that says you have to do it at this point. You can't do it at that point, right? So at this point, we just say, look, we're getting close to expiration, maybe about two weeks out or so, two and a half weeks out. We need to make an adjustment to start cutting some of our risk or reducing some of the potential loss. So if we did nothing at this point, and this is the whole concept around making these adjustments and going inverted, if we did nothing at this point with the stock trading at 23, if it landed at expiration at 23 and just stayed here all the way through expiration, we would lose $1 on our trade, which is pretty simple, right? Our break-even point is $22. The stock ends at $23, so we'd lose a dollar. But what if we made an adjustment to cut that risk and potentially give ourselves an opportunity to make some money back if the stock does fall back down, right? And that's where going inverted now becomes a possibility for an options trader. Now, what does inverted mean? So let's take a step back and talk about that. Inverted means that you have your call, or I'm sorry, you have your put strikes above your call strikes. Your short put option now is above your short call option. And that means you are inverted. Now, most of the time when we trade like a regular strangle, where you're selling a put below the market and selling a call above the market, you can do a lot of adjusting and still never get inverted. But the second that they cross, meaning that your put option is now at a higher strike than your short call option, you are now inverted. Now, it doesn't matter if the put goes first or the call goes first. Like It doesn't matter how it happens. The only thing that inversion means is that the call options, your short call options, are at a lower strike than your short put options. And why does this inversion matter? This inversion matters because now your relationship to expiration is now backwards. And, and let's go through kind of an example of this as we use this trade adjustment to walk through how you can manage these and adjust these, okay? So the stock, again, rallied from 20 all the way up to 23. We are now going to roll up our 20 strike puts. Again, the stock's rallying, so we want to roll up our puts we are going to roll up our 20 strike puts up to the 22 strike level, okay? So we're literally going to roll it up $2 in this case. Now, in this case, to roll up the 20 puts to the 22 strike, we are going to collect a net credit of 50 cents. Now, why is this important? We have to, one, collect a credit, right? Like collecting a credit is the basis of what we do at making adjustments, 
When we collect the credit, we reduce risk. And I'll show you how that happens here in a second, but just understand when you collect credits and you roll for credits, you are reducing your risk. If that position stays in a losing uh, stance or losing position, then you have reduced risk on that trade, okay? So we're gonna roll up our 20 puts to the 22 strike for a 50 cent credit. Now remember, our initial credit that we took in was $2. So if we roll up our 20 puts, and roll them up to the 22 strike. Now we add the $50, the $2 to the 50 cents we have, we get a total credit now of $2.50, okay? Now at this point in time, making this adjustment, we have the short 22 puts and we have the short 20 calls. And now we are inverted by $2. Now remember, we didn't move the call side. The call side stayed exactly the same. We never move the call side. We don't move the side that the market is challenging us on. And so in this case, now we are inverted by $2. The 22 short puts are higher by $2 than our short 20 calls. Hopefully that all makes sense. Rewind it a couple of times if you need to, to make sure you understand it and can conceptually visualize it. Okay. The reason that this is called inversion now is because at expiration, you are now guaranteed on this spread width alone. If the options were to go all the way to expiration, both were to be assigned, you are now guaranteed to lose $2 on that spread. And that's the inversion part. That's the part that actually scares people, but don't get scared right now because I'll show you why it's important to keep track of your credits, okay? But I'm just talking broad strokes here so you understand why it's inversion. It's inversion because the 22 puts, you're forced to buy stock at 22 and you're forced to sell stock at 20. Remember, if you're short puts, you are going to buy stock or you have an obligation to buy stock at the strike price. And when you're selling calls, you have an obligation to sell stock at the strike price. So that's why that inversion matters because now you're obligated at this point, if you go all the way to expiration and if you let the contracts expire, which generally doesn't happen, but it's the thought process behind it, obviously, if you go all the way to expiration you are going to be forced to buy stock at 22 and sell it at 20, right? And the difference between those is the $2 that you are now going to lose. So this is the inversion that we talk about. And this is why it's so important to understand how far you go inverted as you start managing positions. Now, before all of you freak out, if you're starting to freak out, you're like, oh my God, I'm guaranteed to lose $2. That is before we factor in any credits that you've already taken in. So remember what I said on our initial trade, we took in a $2 credit and when we rolled up our put options, we took in an extra 50 cents of credit. We now have a total credit before we close the trade, before we go through expiration of $2.50. So that means that even if we went through expiration and the stock landed in between this inverted range, which would be the best case scenario at this point, that the stock lands in between this inverted range, we would lose $2 on the inversion of our options, but we took in a credit that was more than that inversion, more than the spread or the width between those strikes of $2. Our credit was $2.50 and we took in a credit of $2. So hopefully the first concept that you're starting to learn here is one, you can go inverted in options trading, especially with these positions. But what's really important about going inverted is making sure that you keep track of your credits and whenever possible, maintain an overall net credit that is higher than the width of the inverted strikes. So 
So you might have to rewind that a couple of times and listen to it, but I'll say it again. When you go inverted, whenever possible, you want to maintain a net credit that is higher than the width of the inverted strikes. Now, let's say that we went inverted just for the sake of argument here. Let's say we went inverted by only $1 on this position. So instead of rolling up to the 22 puts, we rolled our puts up from the 20 puts up to the 21 puts. Now that might have netted us a smaller premium. So we may have only netted, say, a 25 cent premium on doing that because we're not rolling to closer strikes. The stock's trading at 23. We're rolling to the 21 puts. There's still a couple dollars out of the money. Probably not worth much, right? So you're not going to get a lot of credit. But now you're only inverted by $1 and your total credits are $2.25. So now you have the potential to make $1.25 on the trade, but it's probably at a lower probability of success, right? A probably slightly lower probability of success because now you want the stock to land between 20 and 21, okay? So that's what happens with these inversions. With these inversions, you're ideally trying to pin the stock between these inverted strikes. So wherever they end up being, however wide or narrow they end up being, that's ultimately the best range that the stock can trade in. You want the stock to fall closer to that range. So the next concept that hopefully you're starting to understand here with inversion is that when you invert your strikes, when you go inverted, the closer you can get to the stock price, the higher probability of success you'll have on the trade. And I define success as either by generating money or by losing significantly less money. That's how I define success in these trades. The closer you can roll to the strike price, and that means maybe the wider inverted you go, the higher your probability of success on the trade, but the lower total win rate that or total dollar amount that you're going to make. And so again, you can see the market's pretty fair and efficient here in that if you rolled, in this case, to the 22 puts and you went inverted by $2, you have the potential now to make, after all the credits and debits, 50 cents. But since you are giving the stock a $2 window between $22 and $20 to fall into, maybe fall down just $1 or so back into your range, that has a higher likelihood of happening than if you rolled up to the 21 strikes and required the stock to fall from 23 to 21. The stock's got to fall $2 for you to make $1.25 if you rolled up to the 21 strikes. I know I'm throwing around a lot of numbers. Take your time with this podcast. Rewind, slow me down, etc., but it's really, really important that you understand these concepts. You might have to draw it out like that. I'm actually literally drawing it out as we're talking. So you might hear my pen going around in the background. But it's really important that you understand these concepts around inversion. Okay. So let's go back to our original example of inversion where we rolled up our puts from 20 to 22. Now, in this case, let's say that the stock now continued to move higher and traded at our long strike, which is 25. If the stock traded at 25, we might then again roll up our short puts. So continue to go deeper and deeper inverted. If this is the case, maybe we roll up our 22 puts up to 24. So we go $2 more inverted at this point, right? So originally we went inverted by $2. Now we're going up to the 24 strikes. We're going $2 more inverted. But let's say that we collect 60 cents to go up to the 24 strikes. So we collected 50 cents on the initial move. And then when we went inverted one more time by another $2, because we went much closer this time, we collected an extra 60 cents of premium. Okay. So again, we're still collecting premium as we're going. 
Now, where does our position stand profit and loss wise? And, and where could we make money or not make money? How does that all shake out? Well, first, we have to start with the width of the inverted strikes. So we have the 24 short puts and we have the 20 short calls. That width is $4, which means that before any credits are factored in at expiration, that particular part of the position will be losing $4 no matter what happens. We're going to be required to buy stock at 24. We're going to be required to sell it at 20. There's no getting around that. That is the bare minimum that that value is there. That's $4 of lost value that we have to recoup, right? So the width of the inverted strikes here is, is $4. So now we take that $4 and we back out of that $4 the credits that we've taken in. Now before, when we rolled up to the 22 strikes, we were inverted by $2 and we took in a credit of 250 net after everything, right? Our initial $2 premium plus rolling for 50 cents. So we still had money left over. We could still make money on the position even though we were inverted. In this case, with the $4 total inversion now. We're inverted by $4. When we rolled up the second time, we collected an extra 60 cents. That means that the total credits that we've taken in is $3.10. So no matter what happens now, and this is where I think people get a little bit scared with this, but they just have to understand the math and the concept behind it. No matter what happens now, we are going to lose on this position 90 cents. And if, if you did this type of inversion, you should know that in advance. In fact, whenever we do an inversion like this with the trading alerts for our pro and elite members, we know in advance that we are inverting ourselves into a for sure losing position. Now, here's the thing, right? You wouldn't want to do this until probably the last week or so of expiration, right? You want to give the stock as much time as possible to move and to come back into your range you want to be patient as much as possible. But look, when you get to that last week of expiration or the last, like, say, seven days of expiration, you need to start making adjustments to cut the potential risk in this trade if the stock stays up here. Because the likelihood that it's going to make such a huge move back down low or the other direction is probably very small at this point. That's going to make that big move just when you need it to make that move. So at this point, we now we would know that we're going inverted. We're keeping track of our credits. We know that we're going inverted more than the width of, or we know that we're going inverted by $4, which is more than the credits that we can take in, but we're okay doing that. And I'll explain why here in a second. But just to recap, this one here, we're going inverted by $4. Our total credit is $3.10. So that means that we are for sure locking ourselves into a 90 cent loss. And really, we still want the stock to land between the inverted strikes, which is between 20 and 24. I don't care where it lands between there. It can land 23.99 and 20.01. But as long as it lands between there, we should have the opportunity to just lose. And I say that actually nicely because it's a good thing. We should have an opportunity to just lose 90 cents on this trade. Okay. That's how we think about it. Now, I know that might be a little bit scary if you're listening to this podcast. Like, why would you put yourself in a position to actually lose money on a trade? And the reason why is because we want to cut our risk in this trade. And so I want to back up for a second and talk about the original position had we done nothing as compared to this new inverted position that although guarantees a loss is guaranteeing a smaller potential loss than had we done nothing at all. And that's really the, the focus of doing this because when you make adjustments and manage inverted positions, 
what you are doing is you're trying to reduce the risk in the trade. See, what a lot of people do when they do inversions and they start inverting positions is they focus on how much money they can make. But I say focus on how much less money you could lose if the stock continues to rally against you. In this case, the stock rallied from 20 to 23 to 25. It just kept rallying against us, and that's going to happen. So what do you do in those cases where the stock just never goes your way, never turns around and looks, you know, looks the other direction? How do you cut risk? And that, I think, is one of the biggest you know, things that you can do in your trading to you know, get this zero-sum game back in your favor from regular option pricing. So if you remember, our original position was a $5 wide spread on either side with a $2 credit. So the most that we could lose on this position was $3 if the stock went wildly above our long strikes in either direction. Now, in the case that we just went over, the stock did rally all the way to our long strike of 25. If that was the case, and if we had done nothing at all from the original position, we would lose $3 on this trade at expiration. We entered into an iron butterfly, we took in a $2 credit, we were scared, air fingers quotes about this inversion thing. We didn't really know about it. We didn't take the time to understand it. We didn't really care, right? We felt like we could blame somebody else if our trade went wrong instead of you know learning how to do it and how to adjust it correctly. And so we just lost $3, right? But we didn't do anything. It was just a $3 loss and we chalk it up to a loser, right? The stock landed at 25 out of our control totally and I get that, but we lost $3. Didn't do anything, didn't adjust. Now, in the case where you adjusted like we had walked through in this inversion, where you rolled from 20 to 22, and then you rolled from 22 to 24, what you ended up doing is taking in a total credit of $3.10 along the way. So your original credit was $2, but now after all adjustments, you take in a credit of $3.10. Now, what's funny about this is that we never touched the call side strikes, right? You never talked, uh, you never heard me say, well, we're going to move the long call option at 25. We're going to move the short call option at 20. No, the width of the uh, call side strikes still stayed the same at $5. Those never changed. So now what we do is we take the $5 width and we subtract out our total credit now after all adjustments of three. Uh, 10, and what we get is we get a net loss of only 190 in this case. So if the stock truly did go all the way to 25, then what we would have is we would have a loss of only 190 versus 300 per contract. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a 36% reduction in your loss by going inverted. So by going inverted, you're reducing your loss by 36%. How many losses this year or this past year could you have or wish you could have gotten at least like 36% of that back? That means if you lost $1,000 on the original trade, you would have cut that by $360. You would have lost $360 less than the initial position. Now, I know that inversion is a little bit difficult and kind of a little bit scary because you have to track some numbers. But hopefully this concept that we talked about, about just tracking literally the credits that you receive, the width of the inverted strikes, right? The width of your initial wings, like how much risk do you have, less your credit. Hopefully you understand now that even though we pigeonhole ourselves into losing potentially $90 if the stock did go back down, 
What I'm more concerned about is if the stock doesn't go back down and rallies continues to rally significantly higher or stays here, I want to make sure that I lose $190 versus doing nothing and losing $300. That's the type of difference that hopefully we try to make in our trading. So we take some of these trades that could be, a, you know, again, a $1,000 loser, and now they're a $700 loser. I'll take that all day. If I can take a trade that for sure was going to be a $1,000 loser, cut it down to 700 bucks all day, all night, I'll take that type of adjustment, right? Now, the obviously argument to this is, Kirk, well, what if the stock moves back the other way? It's going to happen sometimes. No doubt it's going to happen sometimes. But in this case, if the stock stayed higher, you lost significantly less money. If the stock did move back down, that's why we talk about going this final leg of inversion where you guarantee a loss on the position. You only do that really like the last week of expiration. You want to try to give yourself as much of an opportunity to make money as possible earlier as you're getting towards expiration. So we talked about, you know, you're about two, two and a half weeks out. Okay, great. Start going maybe a little bit inverted, but try not to go more inverted than your net credits. So if you take in a $7 credit after everything, don't go inverted by more than $7, right? That's what we're talking about. You can go inverted by $10, but just don't do it until the last week of expiration, right? Like that last week of expiration, when you know the stock really isn't going to move where you think it is, now you're concerned with saving the patient. That's what I talk about all the time is like, make sure before you try to resuscitate that you stop the bleeding. That's what you need to do as a doctor with these trades. So save the patient by cutting the risk, cutting the potential loss. And sometimes that does mean going inverted and guaranteeing a loss in that week of expiration, but you're doing so to cut that potential loss down significantly. So Hopefully this talk has really, really helped out. I know it was probably uh, a little bit taxing on you earlier, earlier or early this year in 2018, just to get really started in kind of this concept. But I think it's a really important concept. Please re-listen to this as many times as you possibly can. Managing inverted positions is really nothing more than just like scratch pen and paper. I think the best way to manage these and the way that I do these is I have a, a notebook literally here on my desk and I can like... Hopefully you guys can hear that right now. Like I have a notebook right on my desk. And when I start going inverted, I first track my initial credit. I just simply write down like, you know, XLF, $2 credit. And then if I go inverted, I say, you know, $2 inversion, 50 cents extra credit, right? And I just track it right there. It takes literally two seconds to do. You can do it in your phone, Evernote, whatever. I just do pen and paper, like old school fashion. And I just track it so that I know where I stand in my position and what I need to do um, to make money or to not make money in the position. Like how much am I going to lose? Am I going to lose? Am I aware of that before I make the inversion? And how do I kind of, you know, reconcile that? The last thing I'll talk about is closing these things at, at expiration. Closing these things at expiration requires that you actually buy back the inverted strikes. Now, when we go to close, we are going to try to close the position for as close to the width of the inverted strike as possible. What do I mean by this? Remember, these inverted strikes can never trade for less than the inverted strike width. So if you have a $2 inversion, then buying back those two options together will never cost less than $2 because that's how much money somebody could make if both options went to expiration. So it will never cost less than that. If you are $3 inverted, 
buying back those inverted options will never cost less than $3. So what we want to do is we want to try to buy back those options when it gets closer to expiration. We want to try to buy back those options for as close to the width of the strikes as possible. In our case today, if we were inverted by $4, we would try to place an order for like 401 and try to buy back those inverted options for $4 or $4.01 or $4.02, something as close to $4 as possible because it's never going to trade below $4. It's never going to do it because somebody could make at least $4 just letting the contracts go to expiration, right? The option buyer could make $4 in that case if they had bought those weird options, they could make at least $4 at expiration with those contracts. So that's why at expiration, it's really, really important that you try to buy back those inside legs, those inverted legs for something close to the width of their strikes. And hopefully that makes sense. We've got, again, a lot of case studies and videos on this on the website. You can just go ahead and like search inverted, write an option alpha or on YouTube or Vimeo, all, all of our you know channels and podcasts and stuff like that. We talk about inversion. So there's lots of case studies, lots of videos on this where you can see this kind of walk through in visual nature. But hopefully this podcast really helps out today and just kind of walking through the particulars of how you manage these inverted option positions. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Hello, Kirk. My name is Travis Brewer. My email address is optiontrader1947 at gmail.com. I've been trading stocks for about 15 years, and I just now started trading options. I am very interested in in buying the uh, toolbox. I want to do it right now. I don't know enough, however, to understand the nomenclature and how to operate the different things in the toolbox, when to hit this button and this button and that button and that sort of thing. I love to be able how fast it is and be, love going through it. It's right up my alley. I just don't know. Are you going? Is there something that's going to teach us how to to utilize that so we know enough to work the optimizer? You know, the other parts of the toolbox. Thank you very much, Kirk. Thank you for everything you're doing as far as option trading for everybody and especially for myself. And uh, you know, just keep up the good work. Bless you and your family. If you would get back to me, if I, I'll look for the place where you say you find uh, answers online, but I, I need to know that before I buy the two box. Thank you very much, Kurt. Bye. Hey, Travis, man. Thank you so much for the question and for getting it in there. So really, uh, additional training for the toolbox software. We already do have training for the toolbox software, both for the back testing and the trade optimization uh, software. It's all inside the website as soon as you purchase access to the software. There's a couple video playlists that kind of go with it. We're always adding uh, new training and improving our training based on what you guys tell us. So we recently added a couple new videos because people have said they had questions on particular features or how to do something different. So we're trying to continuously play out um, or expand out this playlist of training around all of our software. The idea though is that most of it should be pretty intuitive. And that's what we've heard a lot of feedback on from people who have purchase access to the software this year. And it'll obviously continue to get better as we roll out new updates, but we want it to be as intuitive and as, as, as easy as possible. We don't 
necessarily want these huge manuals. So we will continue to push out updates to the software so that that doesn't happen. And part of that is just in-app or in-software, kind of like dialogues and pop-ups that help explain what it is. But I think what it really comes down to is just understanding, you know, when you would use different case studies, like you said, or how you would walk through uh, scenarios. So we do go through that um, in the toolbox training section, which you get access to as soon as you purchase access to the toolbox software. So check that out if you need anything or have any other questions, or if you're using the toolbox software and have questions, maybe want to see us do a different video tutorial or a different case study or walkthrough on it. Just let us know. We'll get it queued up and get it into the roster for our, our playlist software so that we can have that in the back end for you guys. I definitely want you guys to get the most out of this and, and your feedback and, you know, kind of conversing with you guys is how we continue to improve our software and, and what we do for you guys and for us, because we're basically using the software as well. And so we want to improve it for both of ourselves. Um, and that helps out a big part of it is just that dialogue back and forth. So again, make sure that you guys ask questions, uh, give us feedback along the way. And if you want to have your question answered here on the podcast or live on Facebook and Periscope, Remember to head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask, click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail. Last week on the podcast, I mentioned that we were getting a little bit sparse on these questions because we have been answering so many of them on the daily calls and we still need a couple of people to ask some questions just so we get a good backlog in place. We had a lot of people start asking questions last week, which was great. And I really appreciate that. Remember it is first come first serve and we are just rifling through these questions on our podcasts, both on the daily calls, uh, here on the weekly podcast, and then live on Facebook and Periscope. So if you want your question answered about trading, please go ahead and submit it over at optionalpha.com slash ask. Remember, there's no software to download or install. It's incredibly easy, and you can get your voicemail right over to me today. Now, before we go into the closing bell segment, I just want to let you guys know about a different section on our website that you may not have already checked out. If you already have, great. If you haven't, it's our live trading section. We are continuing to improve and add more live trading videos to this part of the website. We're getting a lot of good feedback from it. People love the live trading section of the website. And it's really just me recording my screen as I walk through a trade, whether it's an opening, a closing, and adjusting. I hit record. I start recording my screen. You see me analyze it or adjust it, or wait for a fill, or adjust the pricing, uh, choose strike prices, and I talk through the entire process. I think it's a really helpful kind of tool. It's a good way for you to look over my shoulder as I'm doing this type of trading. And again, all of these videos are completely free, so you can just head on over to optionalpha.com and then search the live trading video section of the website. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now trades we're making and hear our game plan moving forward. All right. In today's closing bell segment, I want to go over a new trade that we're making in DIA, which is the Dow Jones ETF. It's one of the major market ETFs. Uh, we like to trade it whenever possible when it has decent implied volatility and we started trading it um, earlier for the January expiration. And now we're going to add one more trade here. Um, before we kind of wrap up January expiration, selling another iron butterfly in our Dow position. Uh, this is another laddered entry in Dow because our initial position was centered when the Dow actually fell. It was centered around 242, and now the Dow has rallied up, at least at the time of this recording, up to around 247 or so. We are going to enter now the 247 iron butterfly as well, and that gives us a really wide spread. Now, if you think about this, 
in the context of today's call, it's like we would do an inversion of this um, in the sense that we could roll up our puts if we wanted to, but we have the room in our portfolio to just simply add another position to the Dow Jones ETF. And so that gives us what looks like an iron butterfly payoff diagram, but now much, much wider strike prices. In the case of the Dow, uh, our two positions, our first position that we got into in the Dow, and let me just get this thing up because I'm showing it on my screen here. The first position that we got into in the Dow, we took in a credit of $6. And then this most recent position that we got into, we took in another credit of $4.11. A little bit more narrow strikes in this second position. We're selling the 247 calls, the 247 puts, and then buying options out on either end by $7. Uh, which on the original position, we bought options out by $10. So we're just doing a little bit more narrow as we get closer to expiration because those options are still pretty cheap. We don't have to go out as far and we're starting to see some decay. But what this effectively does though is it makes our break-evens much, much wider. And now effectively the Dow can rally up to around 250 or DIA can rally up to around 250 before we start needing to make adjustments. Uh, What's cool about this is now we have two iron butterflies going at the same time we can effectively start to adjust one or the other or both as we get closer to January expiration. So if the Dow still remains high or still stays high as we get closer to expiration, we still have as kind of ammunition in our back pocket, the ability to roll up our put contracts, which is why I like doing laddering in the first place because you spread your trade entry out over time and that gives you wider break-evens to begin with before you actually start going through and making adjustments. So Again, the idea with this position is to just average our position higher, move with the market, ladder into another entry, and then give ourselves a wider overall break-even zone to make some money. We still have the opportunity to make about a little over $1,000 on this trade if the Dow uh, lands between 242 and 247. So uh, a really good trading opportunity here, and I think uh, should turn out pretty well. Hopefully, we get a little bit of a pullback here pretty soon. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show. And as always, got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources links mentioned in the show and some related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com slash show 114. Again, that's just the number 114, optionalpha.com slash show 114. Until next time, happy trading.